This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. It is Afternoons on News Talk 770 on this uh, Monday, which turned out to be a pretty interesting Monday, hasn't it? Uh, later in this hour, we'll talk about breed-specific legislation, although otherwise known as a pit bull ban, which now Montreal has in place. Other jurisdictions in Canada have done the same. We're going to talk about that after 2.30. Uh, but we'll have more time for your calls. A lot to talk about today, 403-974-8255. And call us, text us, uh, same number, 403-974-TALK. Well, uh, you know, we booked our next guest to talk about uh, the economy and jobs. And uh, I guess uh, the Prime Minister today threw an interesting uh, wrench into that conversation. Let's get uh, Michelle Rempel on the phone here at Calgary MP, represents Nose Hill. Uh, Michelle, great to talk to you. Welcome to the program. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Uh, All right. Well, I don't know. Did you know that this uh, announcement was coming in the House today from the Prime Minister? Well, we knew that they were going to be discussing the imposition of a new tax on the provinces and sort of encroaching on uh, provincial jurisdictions. So we knew something was up. Um, this is uh, this is going to have a serious impact on our province when there's a lot of families that are already out of work. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel like history is repeating itself. Um, there's a lot of people who remember the late 1980s that are going to look back at today and say, you know what, it's happening again. So, yes, it's a big day in Ottawa, that's for sure. All right, well, and we can circle back around to that, but let's go back earlier today. You're involved in announcing this, this Alberta Jobs Task Force. Tell us more what that's all about. The number one thing that I have heard in my office over the last year has been just desperation from people in the city as we've seen our unemployment rate dramatically increase. Uh, you know, a lot of people might not, well, I think everybody realizes we're actually, I think, the highest unemployment rate of any major Canadian city at 9% right now. And that's a huge change year over year. Um, this has had an enormous impact on people's lives, their mental health, their relationships, their ability to make ends meet. And what, I, what I'm hearing more than anything else is that people just don't feel listened to. So my caucus and I, my colleagues in the Conservative Party from Alberta, are trying to give a voice to Albertans. We want to be able to present to the federal government uh, a strong policy plan that both in the short term immediately can try and get people back to work, but also push back on some of these policies that are making a bad situation even worse. You know, I, I think Albertans just don't have a, you know, a voice in the Trudeau government. So what they've got are MPs that are going to reach out from every corner of the province, present some policy options and be their advocate. And we wanted to put a formal framework around it. And that's why we've announced this task force today. Okay. Well, in terms of what governments can do to, to create jobs or, or stimulate job growth, I, I'm sure the, the, the government would counter with the fact that they're running a big deficits and ostensibly spending a lot on infrastructure. I don't know how effective that's going to be or what it does for anybody here in Calgary or Alberta right now. But what, what options do, do they have? Well, I think this broadly falls into two categories, what they can do and what they shouldn't be doing. In terms of can do, there are infrastructure projects that are shovel ready that our government or previous government had allocated funding for that we're just not seeing the funding flow to Alberta. It's like it's been a complete bottleneck. So that's one area. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to small businesses about how we can retain uh, employees, keep these businesses open over the short term and look at innovative ways that we can prevent skilled labor in Alberta, like the core of our energy sector, the engineers, the lawyers, the accountants, the the broad range of people, trades that keep our, our energy sector alive. How do we keep them in Alberta so that 
when there are new projects that labor doesn't become an inter- determinant to grow. So that's like, I could, I could spend your entire show talking about that. But then there's also the category of what they shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't be imposing new taxes on Alberta when the economy is so fragile. We shouldn't be adding regulatory uncertainty and sort of sending a chill on investment. Like, you know, investing in the energy sector is a big investment decision. And, you know, a lot of capital right now is going it's too uncertain and that's because of the liberal government um there's just there's just so many things that are happening you know the the increase in cpp premiums i'm hearing from small businesses so we're looking forward moreover from you know i want to hear from the mom who's at home whose husband has been laid off and she's going look i'm I'm actually and i have heard about this in my office you know i'm having relationship troubles right now because we can't make and meet what do we need to do for mental health services and support for people in alberta we need a comprehensive plan and that's uh that's why we're at, we're, we're taking a very structured approach to doing this we want people to be able to see that they have a voice in ottawa and then have a clear way to uh, participate in that process right and i mean so much of this obviously stems from from the drop in oil price and Hopefully that will will continue to improve. We we saw some encouraging signs last week, but but stuff like that's really out of our hands, though, isn't it? Well, you know what? I have to disagree with you on that. That this is a fallacy that the Liberals are putting out there. They even said it in the House last week. You know, they said the the downturn in Alberta is due to low commodity prices. Certainly that has a role in it, but it is not it's not the key driver when we're looking at Alberta's economy over the long term. Um, you, when companies are looking to make investments in projects, like let's say in the energy sector, we're not looking at a, a next day decision. These are investment timelines over you know, even a 10-year period. When investors are trying to make those decisions, they're looking at things like political stability, like are we going to change the environmental assessment process midstream? Um, are we, how are we keeping skilled labor here so that attraction of labor isn't a determinant to investment? What's my taxation burden going to be? Is it going to change six times? These are all the all of these things that have been happening have put a chill on the development of jobs. I mean, I'm talking about multi-million dollar play, billion dollar place here, but this goes down to somebody deciding whether or not to keep the restaurant open or not. I talked well, to a sure. small business owner last week. So, you know, it's not just about energy prices. This is we've lost jobs in the manufacturing sector. We've lost jobs in the agriculture sector. You saw the, you know, the feedlot that closed last week. Um, so I want to push back against this Eastern notion that somehow, oh, it's just it's just oil prices and whatever. Well, it, I don't think you can take it out of the mix, no. just like you can't take the, the collapse of, of cattle prices out of the mix when you talk about what happened with that feedlot. I mean, obviously, we're starting to see this. We were starting to see this before May of 2015. We're starting to see this before October of 2015, uh, that, that it traces back to the, the plunge in commodity prices. It is a big factor. But again... That those prices are cyclical, right? At some point, demand, you know, demand will increase. But the question is, is uh, is Alberta positioned to be able to take advantage of those prices over time? Because that's how people retain their jobs in the short term. Uh, it's how, again, that small business or that restaurant decides to keep their shop open or closed. And so things like, you know, and I could get into provincial policy too. There's been a lot of provincial policies that I don't think have been particularly helpful to the Alberta economy. You shouldn't be trying to make a bad situation worse. So when you've got an economic situation like a change in commodity prices, the government's economic policy should be cognizant of that, and we should be trying to keep things stable. Right. Adding new taxes, you know, changing environmental assessment processes that were, you know, robust to begin with, those are things that do not help. And the average Albertan gets that. 
And so, you know, this is, again, I'm happy to speak on these issues because it's what we need to be doing to raise national awareness on this issue. Well, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, are we exacerbating the situation? But, I mean, you know, the situation is what it is. Uh, there, there were, I mean, we did see last month, for example, there were three fairly major oil sands projects that got approval from the government. Whether they happen or not There's the rub. remains to be seen. But, yeah, I mean, it speaks to that long-term planning. And I think there is a hope or an assumption that this is cyclical. And come next year, come the year after, we'll, we'll start to see that recovery. I think it's very, very short-sighted to say just hang in there or that an approval signals an automatic economic rebound. That There okay, still has to be capital that flows into those projects. I agree. Right? I, I think part of the, the problem is if, if you frame it that way and we do see a rebound in commodity prices and we do see uh, jobs start to come back, that if, if we say that it's the government's fault right now, it allows them to take credit for that rebound. You know what? I don't really care at this point who gets credit for what. I want the people in my riding who are out of work to go back to work. Well, so do I. Uh, But I don't don't want Trudeau taking credit for that either. Look, um, I don't think in Alberta there's ever going to be a lot of trust for Trudeau, let's be honest. Um, But the reality is, is the situation is so bad. Uh, You know, this this stretch is beyond party lines. And this, you know, what I tried to do today, what we tried to do with this announcement, it shows that it's just not, it's not just an Alberta issue, right? I mean, somebody in downtown Toronto who's following along with this quite merrily should understand that Alberta pays for a lot of things for the entire country. And we've done that gladly. And now it's only fair that Canada stands up for us. So, you know, I... I guess what I'm trying to show is that I share the frustration of a lot of people who are just, you know, who might be listening to this and just say, cut cut the politics and just get me back to work. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I think that's clearly what we need to do. Um, now, as it pertains, though, coming back to, to the carbon tax, uh, obviously we've been dealing with this here in Alberta. There's a poll out last week showing pretty significant opposition uh, to the carbon tax because I think it is one of those things that's going to compound what's already happening in the economy. Is, is there an opportunity here to say, look, we, we do need to have responsible environmental policy. We do need to send a message to the world that we are a responsible, if not the most responsible oil producer, but we can do so in a way that it's not as damaging to the economy. I think these, these carbon taxes that everyone's talking about, it would be pretty easy to bring in offsetting tax cuts to truly make these revenue neutral. How, how do we need to come at this then to, to minimize the damage? Here's the thing. If you put a carbon tax in place, right, with, with the premise that, okay, it's going to create a, a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, then it should actually reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And I know that sounds kind of glib, but let's think about this. If, if you lost your job, right, what would some of the first things that would fall off your weekly expenditure list? It's probably, you know, luxuries like going out for dinner or seeing a movie, right? Those are what economists call as elastic goods. Their prices and demand varies uh when when there's a you know change in price the thing is with carbon products so gasoline frankly if if gasoline is three dollars a liter or if it's 90 cents a liter you're still going to need to gas up your car and that's especially true in canada where we're sparsely populated we're a young country we don't have the you know geographic proximity as other european countries that have this so will what i'm trying to say is what is the price of a carbon tax have to be in order to actually reduce demand and then what happens at that price most economists think that you know there's even numbers i've seen thrown around like 150 dollars a ton before you start seeing reductions in either consumption or production of carbon prices uh, of carbon products 
But what happens to the economy at that price? What happens if all of a sudden gas prices go up to that level? I mean, that's going to have a huge impact on the economy, on Canadian families. Uh, That's what the details, this is what we're missing in the carbon price discussion. This is what economists don't want to talk about, you know, the ones that have been paid by the NDP to sort of be the messengers on this. The reality is there's no data out there on this issue. Um, You know, the, the, the BC carbon tax that everyone points to, We've seen carbon, uh, like carbon emissions go up in BC after they impose their carbon tax. So the net effect of this, and there will be people that cry bloody murder for me for saying this, is this is like a PST or a GST. So if we want to actually impact uh, greenhouse gas emission reduction, we should be doing it with policy that works, not just putting a consumption tax in that... Okay, but that means regulation, right? And regulation has costs. Uh, And regulation entails much more government involvement than simply the government saying, here's the price, let the market sort it out. But just because that's a difficult conversation or we're looking at other things like um, conservation methods or energy efficiency standards or anything, fee and dividend, just because that's a difficult conversation, that's something that's going to take work to drive to, that is not a logical argument like in support of a carbon tax saying, oh, well, this is easy and it's going to give us credibility if we can't prove that it works. Actually, if I was an environmental NGO activist, I would be very offended by that uh, because it's not going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So I think this is a very simplistic uh, discussion on behalf of the Prime Minister. To me, this smacks of, I don't know if you, of course you remember, uh, when the Cretan Liberals uh, announced their signa- signature onto the Kyoto Agreement. You know, we're taking action against climate change, but it did nothing. It did nothing. All it did was Stefan Dion dog- named his dog Kyoto. I feel right. like this is again today the same thing, and it's a much more nuanced discussion, and it's one that is not only nuanced, but affects the lives of everyday Canadians in a very material way. Well, I, I would look at it. This is how I would look at it, because uh, I think we, we do need to, to show the world that we're doing something. We do need to, to I think, show leadership, given that we're a pretty important oil producer. We're going we're well above nothing. what anyone else is doing. That's the thing. You're assuming we've done nothing. Well, I'm not I, saying that we've done nothing, but know, I'm saying last... that we need to be better, and we need to change that conversation, because well, we are getting demonized, and sure. we need to give this prime minister, because he's the guy we're stuck with, we need to give this prime minister a reason to say yes to pipelines. That's something obvious they can get people oh, back well, to work. to say yes to pipelines is that it's the most environmentally responsible Michelle, way. and I get that, and you get yeah, that. Yeah, but, but you know but what? But neither of us I, are in a position I, I to am, say yes. I don't have to buy into that other argument and accept it uh, in order to get these projects approved. I'm not saying that we shouldn't take action on climate change. We should, but we need to do it in a way that's smart, that recognizes that China and the United States are responsible for almost half of global GHG emissions. We're responsible for two. Are we going to price ourselves out of the market? You know, like we've already seen reductions in our per capita emissions over the last 10 years, which conveniently were when we were in power. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know what? I refuse to just buy into the standing debate on this issue because my constituents' jobs livelihoods depend on it and if even to talk about climate change if we want that environmental sustainability component then we should be doing something that works i have not seen any data at all that shows the carbon price or a carbon tax like the one that trudeau's proposing today will actually reduce greenhouse gas emissions all I know is that it's going to bring in more gover- more revenue for the government. Well, certainly what economists tell us, that it's the simplest and most efficient way oh, to reduce it? emissions. Because when I ask economists, there's very few of them, if any. I have actually not seen a paper that shows 
the price elasticity assumptions for carbon prices region by region in Canada. And I know that sounds very technical. Anybody who's listening to me is going, uh, my background's in economics. That's important because if we don't know the price at which carbon demand for carbon changes, then how can we set a price on carbon? How can we do that? If I'm coming to you and saying, okay, well, you're going to buy less gas if I increase the cost of gas by 25 cents, and you're saying, no, I won't, you're just taking more money out of my pocket, then you haven't achieved the policy objective. And so there's an argument to be made, a strong argument to be made, that if we're going to actually take action in Canada, then it needs to be a made-in-Canada solution, not just the imposition of something that the EU or other countries have sanctioned as the way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, because I'm not convinced that it works here Well, it needs to be something. I agree. Yeah, I and agree. And, the, I agree. and it should be the least damaging something. Yeah, but... and, and that could be a mix. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that the, you know, Trudeau coming out today and saying the be-all and end-all is $50 a ton uh, will actually stifle that innovative approach to a multifaceted approach. The Liberals aren't going to repeal the regulations that we put in place when we were in government. So regulations right. are going to be part of our solution. Uh, mitigation adaptation is part of that. Energy efficiency, which of course is part of the regulatory process, is part of that. Um, talking about carbon pricing has to be done in that context. And, in our, and, and, and frankly, what are our national targets? What are we doing and why and over what time period? And are Canadians cool with that? So, you know, I guess what I want to express to you is that this conversation is much more complicated than good versus evil or left versus what right. But there's so much at stake both for the climate as, as well as for our economy if we don't have this conversation. And we're not having that conversation. Well, I'm going to be. I'm going to be up in debate in the House in about yeah. 20 minutes. And I, that's what I plan to speak on. Well, that's good. I, I, you know, I would just say again, and you know, we've got a liberal prime minister and we have in all likelihood a democratic president uh, after this year. We need both those people to say yes to pipelines. And, and I, I tend to look at it as, okay, this is what we're stuck with. How do we convince them but, to say yes? You know what? Like, if we, if, let's say we put a $100 price. Uh, uh, let's say we go $150 a megaton. Let's, let's say we have this crazy, insane, crippling price on carbon. Is that actually going to change the American government's decision to let KXL go through? Like, I don't do know. We have that? I don't know. It might. Do I mean, that? because they did cite. Again. I, they did I, cite emissions as a reason. Well, their own Environmental Protection Agency, study after study, report after report, showed that this the project was environmentally sustainable. I agree. Uh, you know, the, the, the greenhouse gas emissions profile of energy products coming from our sands are, are actually lower in greenhouse gas emissions profile than other sources that the United States imports. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, again, I think this is another fallacy that Albertans have to stand up against and say, look, really? Really, the United States is magically going to approve KXL because, because of a carbon tax. I've seen that nowhere. That's no, well, I mean, let's not get into American <laughs> politics, but certainly nowhere in the American uh, presidential debate. I, I've heard nothing on this, and I think that it's a bit of a fallacy. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. Michelle, as you say, you're, you're speaking in the House soon. We'll let you go. But thanks for making thanks some time for us much. here. We'll let people know, by the way, there is a, a website for that, uh, the Jobs Task Force. There is. It's... Uh, Cleverly titled AlbertaJobsTaskForce.ca, and I encourage everyone listening to your show to uh, write into that. Uh, we'll be ha- holding a lot of events across the province to get input and feedback on that, and uh, this is important. So I yes, encourage people to participate. Indeed. All right. Appreciate the chat, Michelle. Thanks. Take care. All right. Michelle Rempel, uh, Conservative MP, Calgary Nose Hill, AlbertaJobsTaskForce.ca. We're back with more right after this. 
Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.